Jason. Today's episode of the Lee Summit Town Hall podcast is brought to the good people by a bunch of blinds of Lee Summit. Blinds! You know, I got to tell you something, Jason. Uh-huh. It's 60-something degrees outside today, and hearing you yell budget blinds just feels better. And the weather's good. The weather's so- good, which means it's probably time to update your yeah, home. Yeah, look, it's the weather. You're going to open your windows. You're going to have that. You need to improve your window treatment game, and Budget Blinds has the Signature Series shades for you to do it. And here's a really cool deal. Even if, say maybe you get adventurous this spring and you you leave the humble confines of Lee Summit and you stagger over to those weird friends of yours across the state line, you'll still have budget blinds to go to. There is a new budget blinds storefront opening in Overland Park coming in May. You got it. So no matter which side of the state line you're on, you can get your quality you should stand Missouri. robot shade overlord signature series shades from budget blinds in Lee Summit. And we also like we want to take a moment. Look, we have said many times over the years that we we consider the folks at Budget Blinds our friends. They do a lot of good in the community. And we don't often talk about Mr. Budget Blinds, Jim Stoddard. The overlord himself. The overlord, Jim Stoddard, who had a birthday. And he turned um, 29-ish, or at least it's a multiple of that, uh, this last, uh, on Monday of this week. And so we want to say happy birthday, Jim. And uh, you should give Jim a birthday present and go buy some shades from Budget Blinds. And when you do it, when you go visit our friends at Budget Blinds, tell them Jason and Nick sent you. Hello again, and welcome to Lee Summit Town Hall, a weekly podcast about what you can do to make a difference. I am Jason Norbury, and I am joined by a man who is thankful that it is not his fault this time. It is Nick Parker, the publisher Ooh, of Wink to Lee Summit. So very thankful. It is. This last time. It was it literally last. And the time before yeah. that. And the time and before that. As and as husbands in a husband's in a house, it's mostly our fault. I mean, whatever it is, it's pretty much always our fault. So. <laughs> I'm kind of used to it by now, but today, today it, it is, is not. not Nick's fault. Our unofficial sponsor today is a pleasant outdoor walk, which I mean, so I'm going to, I want to let everybody a little behind the curtain. So last week we had some technical difficulties and these were my bits from last week, but they both pleasantly apply this week. So that's great. It was nice last week. We had a little dip in the temperature, but it is, it was a lovely, lovely 60 degree day today and uh, had a little time to get this. I took a walk. Nice to spend a little bit of outside time. Uh, in in this day, so as I go, so Nick, what's going on at least Summit? Well, I, as I took my walk this afternoon, I, I remember there's some news. There's an event. Can you believe it? we don't get to tease events very often anymore? But there is an event coming up this weekend. This weekend it is the uh, downtown Lee Summit Spring Open House, which is important and it's fun. It's a great time to go out, go shopping, check out all the downtown businesses and stores. But more importantly, Jason, you and I and the Town Hall podcast have teamed up with Local Foundry there at 307 Market Street in downtown Lee Summit for tacos and burgers. That's right. We are selling tacos and burgers this Saturday outside Local Foundry 
and we're doing it to raise money for Lee Summit Social Services. Absolutely. We've even allowed the executive director of Lee Summit Social Services to join us because honestly, we needed somebody to cook the burgers. And Matt was uh, Matt was the guy we thought of uh, when, when we did that. So we will be out there uh, from uh, about 11 o'clock on through. We sell out of what we have, selling some tacos and some burgers. And uh, but you want the but tacos. you want the tacos, and if we're out of tacos, you can get still get burgers. I'm sure there'll be those left when this is all said and done. And, and Jason, mm-hmm. I'm going to let you in on go something. for it. These aren't just tacos; these are carnitas. This tacos. is true. We are we are going to be special for you people. Look, it, it, if you ask me to bring the game, I'm going to bring the going to bring the game. So we will be there. So come downtown, wander around outside, see what's going on, enjoy what is uh, scheduled to be a beautiful, beautiful spring like day. Uh, on Saturday, swing by local foundry at 307 Market and uh, get yourself a taco or burger and uh, support Lee Summit Social Services. We will thank you. And you can see us there. I mean, we'll be wearing masks, but we will be the ones behind them. There we go. And now, Jason, to the meat of our episode. Oh, it is silly season. <laughs> hey, let's. we're going to talk about the, the Lee Summit School District this this week, but I want to start with a little bit of sad news. Over the weekend, former superintendent Tony Stansberry passed away. Stansberry was the superintendent from 1996 through 2006, which was, Jason, I, I don't think I'm going to exaggerate when I'm going to say that is the period of biggest growth in our community that we've in seen. In a long, long time. It was a trim- explosive growth, really, as a whole. The, he, he was superintendent when we just built a ton of buildings. Uh, and I, I guess if you want to get an idea of how we- well he's remembered, remember that the administration building is named for him. Which I believe is one of 20-some buildings, facilities that were built during his tenure as superintendent. <laughs> yeah. So our thoughts are with the Stansbury family there and the district. Now, Jason, let's move it on. You, 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 uh, you mentioned that it was election season. Uh, I'm going to get there, I promise, but I just saw my notes there with the other thing I was supposed to get to. Uh, the Lisa School District has is now taking applications from residents for their middle school boundary study team. Jason, as, as, as the local reporter, I love covering this. These always get a little bit of fun. Yeah, that's um, <clears throat> fun is the, is the word for it. Look, I would say this, <laughs> is with the construction of the fourth middle school coming in the 22-23 school year when it's going to open, they're going to have to adjust the boundaries. So certain students are going to go to the new school and those all come from somewhere else. You know, the, the movement comes around from that. So the, the boundaries for the middle schools will be adjusted at that point. Uh, Dr. Christine Moorhead was tabbed to be the principal of the building. Um, that's the same year that the sixth graders will move into the middle school buildings themselves. So you're, it's going to be a period of some significant change. Um, and if you want input into uh, how they're going to put those boundaries together and how they're going to work that process out, uh, you should go to the district's website. Uh, I'm sure we will have a link on uh, link to summit.com to the application. So you can apply to be on that team and put your voice in where it's going to matter. There we go. And now on to election season. Jason, our candidate interviews are going to begin next week. We will we will be talking to the four remaining and active. Uh, I just got a there there are five. Nick, hold on. I just got I'm sorry. We we got a uh, I got a a, a back uh, from the back room. I got an a, 
a correction. It was a Whit, Dr. Whitney Moorhead, not Christine Moorhead. So your notes are terrible. Uh, that is is going to be the principal of the building. So uh, thank you to our upcoming guest for for getting that squared away for us. And uh, and once again, I guess Actually, the period on. where it wasn't your fault is now over, Nick. <laughs> short-lived, but a glorious short-lived moment. My apologies on that. All right, to the election. Uh, Jason, candidate, candidate interviews are going to begin next week. We will be talking to each of the four, I'm going to call them active candidates. There are, are five candidates. However, last week, Monty Helm announced that he will no longer be campaigning for the seat, and he will be throwing his support behind Ryan Murdoch, the incumbent, and Roderick Sparks. Also coming soon to our website will be our, our annual survey that we send to our candidates. Those responses are going to be posted to linktoleesummit.com, so be looking for those. Now, Jason. Bring them on. Let's get, in, let's get into it. We're going to talk a little bit about the Board of Education. We're going to talk not necessarily about the individual candidates, but I think it's, I think it's important for us to talk about the role the board plays and the relationship it has with not only the superintendent that it hires, but with the district and, and the community as a whole. And I feel like, Jason, you and I have kind of, we've done this episode a few times now as part of this podcast, and you and I have said a lot of the same things. So I thought we would bring in maybe a different perspective. And so we're going to be joined by Dr. John Schuler, a longtime teacher and administrator, now retired and working for University of Central Missouri and the Missouri State Education. So we will bring him on, and we're going to talk a little bit about that role and get his perspective. Dr. Schuler, how are you today? I'm great, guys. Thank you for having me on. We're glad to have you here. So I guess, John, let's start with the, the let's talk about you for a minute, because I know that's what you came on here to do mostly is to talk about yourself. <laughs> yeah. uh, you are a, a retired principal from, mm-hmm. uh, I believe, one of our middle schools here, and you are currently an. Oh, oh no, I'm no. Sorry. I'm going to correct oh, you good, now. See? He's from, he spent his career in Fort Worth. Ah, okay. So you're, he's a resident of Summit. Summit. All right. So, but you are a retired principal. Um, and you are now currently serving in a consultant capacity, uh, working out of the University of Central Missouri, um, but not for the Universal of Central Missouri, which I'm going to let you explain here in just a second. So tell us a little bit about what you do in your current position. So right now I'm, I'm what's called a district continuous improvement consultant. And I work out of the regional professional development center that's located at the University of Central Missouri. The university is our fiscal agent. So um, the federal grants that come through the the Department of Education grants, they're filtered through the states and the departments of education in the states, uh, at least in the state of Missouri, then filters it through the regional professional development centers, which are located uh, throughout the state of Missouri. So UMKC has an RPDC as does Missouri State and SEMO and and uh, Truman and several others, you know, um, all throughout the state. There's nine regions, and um, <clears throat> and they they filter out these grants and hire consultants. So I manage. I'm a facilitator for a team. I manage a team of consultants that works with the entire western side of the state. So my team is uh, we're split up into zones, and we help um, districts to use their own information, so their own evidence of student learning to 
make decisions basically. So, uh, you know, it's, there's so many consultants that, uh, get paid a lot of money to come in and they tell you buy my product, buy my book. And that's not what we do. Um, what we do is say, look, you're, you're able to do this yourself. We'll, we'll show you how to do this if you don't know how to do it, but you don't have to hire someone else. You don't have to get a program. You don't have to pay a lot of money because we're free because we're grant funded. So we come in and, and if they want us, um, then we then we come in and, and we help them. But I manage a team that goes to 25 different school districts across the western part of the state, and and we help them uh, with the various issues that they have. All right, so we're gonna use um, a, a recent event, and recent, it's a couple of weeks old now, but that that is fine. I think it's kind of an instructive thing to talk about kind of where we wanna discuss in terms of the role of the Board of Education and how it relates to the various uh, constituencies that we that they they happen. So recently, the uh, the district announced that it was going to uh, count uh, if a student failed a course in high school, um, a high school student failed a course in the fall semester, that that was not going to impact their GPA. Now, they wouldn't get credit for the course and they have to retake it or, or do those sorts of things, but they wouldn't, it would not count against their GPA. And, and I think in a not unreasonable response to the stresses that have been put upon our students in the various modes of learning and all that. The, um, this information got out. And of course, as Facebook threads and Facebook groups are wont to do, there was some controversy expressed about this and how it might impact certain students and, and others, you know, like the people thought they were going to be like their kids would be harmed in relation to the grade point averages of the other students and so on and so forth. And in that process, one of our school board members posted that, you know, the, the process that went behind that, but this was definitely an administrative question. Um, but I think there was a lot of uh, issues raised by the public to their elected official. Well, like, why didn't you do this or what have you do that? So, Obviously, this is, um, and I don't want to spend a time here. This is not where we're, I don't think we want to get into the criticism or lack of criticism of, of the board's or the administration's wisdom in the decision. But we have used that as an entity. So this is a situation where the board, the administration acted and the board has not acted on, on a particular topic. Um, and I think that if you look back over the last, you know, 15 years or so since Tony Stansberry, that a lot of the issues that have been going on in the in the public that you see have been a result of actual or perceived problems with the relationship between the school board and the superintendent, whether they gave the superintendent too much free reign or micromanaged the, the superintendent or both at the same time, as I'm sure some people would like to think. So when you're kind of digging in, what when you're when you're thinking about the administration's role or the uh, more precisely the board of education's role as it gets involved with that what what are you looking for there well with the the board of education their their job is very specific and it's it's um it's it's going to sound like i'm i'm you know uh double guessing myself or whatever but it but it's it's their main job is to hire the superintendent to hire a competent person to manage the district, to, to um, give all those jobs to him and or her. And that person, the superintendent, is supposed to run, lead, and manage the, the district. The Board of Education 
manages one employee in the district, and that is the superintendent. Now, they also approve the money that's being spent, and they represent, they do represent the constituents who elected them. And as we know in Lee Summit, they represent everybody because they're not, you know, in some in some uh, school districts, they go by district or, or different areas of the district, and that's not the way it is here in Lee Summit. They represent everybody in the district. So they're all at-large uh, elected officials. So So that's their job you know, is to approve funding and to hire the superintendent, to supervise the superintendent, and to uh, basically make sure the district is running to hear the, hear the concerns of the public, the people that they're representing. Well, how does that, uh, that seems to be a, quite a balance, right, of, of managing and holding accountable. <laughs> Right. While also allowing, I mean, and, and I guess, I guess this is the problem, you know, the, the balance that any good manager has, any good board or any good executive, right, is, is how do you manage and hold accountable without overstepping? And that seems to be, and, and like Jason said, it might be real, it might be perceived, it seems to be an issue that that our board has had over the last several years. Right. Well, our board also represents uh, the teachers and employees of the district who live in the district. You know, regardless, you know, um, they're they're a force and they're one of the big reasons that one person or another gets elected. And and but they're still voters. They're still the constituents. And they still represent them. However, they in no way if they start managing the buildings, it 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 breaks down. The system breaks down, and it's a it's a system that that works if they let the superintendent run the district. Now, they should bring concerns to the superintendent. If, if their constituents have concerns, they need, they're, they're ethically obligated to bring those concerns to the superintendent. However, they should not interfere uh, with any of the management of the buildings or decisions that are being made. I, and again, I really only want to use this this current decision as, as an example. I don't want to really get into to the merits of the decision. I don't think that's I don't think that's our place, nor do I feel anywhere near qualified to discuss that. But when you say managing the buildings, I mean is this is this something that fits into that where where this kind of a decision where where the administration made a decision for the district for all three high school buildings? that on on the grades that this wouldn't be is, is that does that that example fit into what you're talking about so my understanding is the administrators in those three buildings got together and made that decision um and and that you know again the superintendent then hires administrators in the buildings to run their buildings and and there's a certain amount of overseeing that has to be done of course but but again, you know, it's it's a systems issue. You know, you can't you can't micromanage the buildings because that's not the superintendent's job. The superintendent's job is to hire very good administrators to run their buildings. And these are big buildings. I mean, this is a huge district. So they they really need to hire the best and they have. They've got great administrators in these buildings who uh, are making decisions. Now again, like you like said Nick, I mean, whether you agree with it or not, uh, these people have a lot of experience that they're drawing on to make those decisions. And that's the decision they made. I mean, I've got a, I've got an opinion about it. Not that, it, you know, it matters what I think, but, you know, it absolutely, I respect the fact that they, 
they made a decision. So, John, I guess we'll let's roll into you. One of the things we hear year after year uh, from our candidates is that they're going to be pro teacher or more pro teacher than their opponents. So, you know, while many, many campaign slogans don't carry a lot of meaning that there's something I don't think any, it's very rare. In fact, I think we would be the first is like a, a, someone running for the school board to say, I'm anti teacher. Uh, It seems a little bit weird, but what, so to, you know, work with me on this one for a second, what does like, what can, I suppose I'll put it this way, or maybe I should ask you to debunk the myth of pro teacher. What what is pro teacher? Can it actually mean for a board of education or what? I mean, when we talk about this role, it's like, you know, we're managing the superintendent, not the buildings, let alone the classrooms um, where the teachers may be. What does being pro teacher mean in that scenario? Well, that's a, that's a tough one, Jason, because the, the truth of the matter is that, you know, again, teachers are part of, are a big section of your, of your constituents. All right. And for, for that matter, teachers may be your friends. You may have a a large group of friends that are teachers or district employees and, and you can't ignore, you don't ignore what they're saying, but as far as interfering, that's, that's just inappropriate for a board member to do. Um, They should go to the superintendent with, with concerns and, and discuss it with the superintendent. Okay. I really, so I guess, I guess to answer your question, okay. Um, um, I, maybe I'm dancing around it. You can say you're pro teacher and who isn't, you know, I mean, well, I guess, well, I mean, we have a, I can name a list, but that's a different podcast. <laughs> I've been accused of not being pro teacher, but, but, um, well, but you were a principal though. So that's different. You didn't like the kids or the, or the teachers. Middle school principals never win. Let me tell you. Um, but, but, um, you know, you can, you know, you can be pro teacher and still be a good school board member without interfering in, in the building. You, you, it's about listening, but it's about letting the system uh, work the way it's supposed to work. And if a school board member interferes in building processes, and I've had that happen as a principal, I had it happen with, with a school board member that he absolutely wanted to interfere in a very like personal uh, student issue that, legally I couldn't tell him anything about, but he was demanding that I tell him and it was, it was inappropriate. And it, the system started breaking down at that point. And, um, and it, it ruined a lot of things that should have worked. And, and that's, that's what will happen. The system will break down. The school board members start interfering in building practices or decisions made by administrators. So, um, let's, uh, I'll try to be a little bit, uh, bring it up a little bit. So what, some of the things that are, I think another, other issues that are on there, obviously one of the things that always comes up is, is teacher compensation. One of the topics that has been, I think in the burbling through the background, uh, especially as the district begins to go through its, you know, work through and work on the, its equity plan is the hiring of more, uh, teachers of varied backgrounds, um, and, and, you know, people of color and other, other groups uh, to do that. How can the board influence those things as they go? Okay, good. That's a really good question. Because when it comes to issues involving equity, I feel like the board 
has uh, should have a very strong voice with the superintendent and with the community, saying this is this is a direction we go. So so many many boards are being reactive, and when it comes to um, issues of equity um, or any you know controversial I issue like that, I, it, it shouldn't be controversial. First off, that's the first thing I want to say. But when it comes to these issues, um, what I would like to see is a systemic approach to being proactive. So, okay, you know, we've, we've got equity, we've got perceived equity issues in the district. Well, what is the plan? You know, what, what do we want to do? How do we want to tackle this from the reactive stage and the proactive stage and sort of bring these pieces together so that we can, we can have equity in the, in the district. And sometimes it comes down to just basic uh, decisions that are made about, you know, books and and lessons and things like that. And other times it's community activities and involving um, the school district and more of those. I don't know. I'm just I'm just throwing spaghetti at the wall there when it when it comes to those ideas. But but you just I'm described saying, our, well, since we're talking, I'm gonna jump yeah. in since we're talking about the role and the relation the role of the board and the relationship it has. So where does where does it fall, I guess, in the process as far as making the the, I guess changing the policies and practices uh, of of a district, does that come okay. board down, yes. or is that a pretty cohesive? Should it be, I guess, you know, cohesive between superintendent and board? Okay, so good. Thanks for clarifying that. Um, yes, so the board is in charge of uh, approving policies, creating policies and approving policies at the building level, which of course have to connect with the district policies. And, and so, yes, that's where, that's where it would happen at that level. So again, it's, it's not the board creating these things. It's the board has hired a superintendent and they need to tell their employee, this is what we want, you know, and, and it's, it sounds weird, but that's the way it has to work. You know, they can, they work with the superintendent. They listen to the community. They connect with the community and they listen to what they want. They report that um, to the superintendent and work with the superintendent to come up with a plan. But again, it's a, it needs to be, it, that's the way it needs to be, you know, where um, they, they are working on policies. They look at their, would look at their policies to put it through that lens you know, an equity lens, and you'd be surprised at how many policies, you know, for instance, when you say, you know, this is an automatic, uh, you know, three strikes and you're out sort of rule, the equivalent of that at at the building level. I mean, you put that through an equity lens and it, it probably doesn't stand up, you know, so, you know, those are the kind of things that the board can do is look at their, look at the policies, look at it through a different lens, listen to the community and what they want and talk to the superintendent about it. Let's let's shift gears just a little bit and let's talk about the other big role of a school board and that is budget oversight. And I, I really like how you've been and I realize this is from your perspective as as a principal, so you think from you know building out. But I, I'm curious, kind of again, that role and how deep a, a a board's oversight goes when they're looking at at budgets for the coming years and and I always get this, and again, I'm cynical, so I always watch yeah. with I watch with that eye, right? I always get the feeling that that of late our board has been very hands on, maybe 
maybe too much. Um, I don't know, but but from their from that perspective, how deep do they go in looking at and reviewing budgets? Is it just kind of that thirty thousand feet, or are are they really diving into what separate buildings are doing? Well, you can you can tell by the way they've organized, you know, the agenda for approving the budgets, uh, which parts you know they're they they've looked at closely and and which parts they haven't you know if, if it's a line item they want don't to give away the secrets <laughs> well I, I just i'm just saying that you know there are some things where you just you should trust you know the the people uh that work that work in the district you know for instance if i had um you know i was approving like the purchase of uh a new a new school bus or a series of new school buses or we were transitioning into it well certainly you would want you would want oversight uh, regarding that, but I, I absolutely would trust the director of transportation and then the assistant superintendent uh, who oversees the director of transportation. I would trust their opinion about it. I wouldn't second guess that. Um, I would I would say that you know uh, unless you had specific experience in purchasing buses or or knowing about buses, you know you leave it to the experts. But you are. The school board is elected to be fiscally responsible, and they should oversee um, all. Well, they do oversee all of the budget, and they should examine uh, the budget as closely as necessary. So I'm saying, you know, there's. I gave kind of a big example, but there are smaller examples where you can say, okay, I don't. I don't need to look at the. You know, it cost three hundred seventy-five dollars and forty-five cents to to. To do this when that's that's not significant enough in the budget to spend a lot of time on when you've Look, got you can shave seventy five cents on and off and you have to do it. I think that's the way this works, right? And that's the super <laughs> that's the that's the school board's job is to go over those those sub five hundred dollar line items to to squeeze pennies out of there. Well, I would I want to ask okay. this question then to follow up on that, and and I think it it this this is stuff that like we've kind of described a gray area, right? We, we've talked about there's a balance to be had in this sort of thing. And so we can, I think you've given your opinion on some things and we've given our opinions and we've shaded that, but I want to, I want to broaden this out a little bit. Reasonable minds can have, there's a range of reasonable disagreement here within like how much, you know, where that balance lies. Um, and I think we have, examples perhaps of going too far one direction or another as the board um and in this process but there is that isn't there isn't there i mean i i would like to live in a universe where my opinion is the only one that really matters but that's not what we live in he tries I try really hard but i mean is that I, that's something just to keep this in mind is that when we're when we're asking these questions there is a broad there's a range of opinions that are in the in the capacity of of okay correct i mean they're just just so we we're not saying that it must be this way as we're getting there. Yes. Um, I suppose. And, and again, who's going to, who's going to call you? <laughs> Boy, I mean, that's, that's really, that's really taking a stance. Well, yes, I suppose. I guess, okay. <laughs> what I'm saying is, okay. So let's take special ed law. All right. That's law. That's law. It's federal law. You know, there are, there are uh, laws and there are very specific ways you have to go about when you have an IEP for a child um, in and school districts break those laws all the time. And until someone calls them on it, they get away with it. You know, so 
so I'm not sure what the what authority would would go into a school board and say, hey, you're you're too involved in a building. You know, that would be the superintendent to say, we need to talk about this. You know, they do supervise that that employee, the superintendent, but that superintendent in turn needs to partner with the with them to let them know when they've overstepped or the voters, you know, because um, they're elected officials, let them know when they've overstepped, but they're not breaking a law. I mean, does that, let me, I, well, that, I think you, I think you, I mean, you, you've demonstrated obviously that there are limits regardless of where they were, but I mean, I think that there is a, you know, one way I tend to look at sometimes elections or, or hires, you know, superintendent hires, even in, in this particular instance is as a reaction to the last, you know, chunk of time. Right. And so for instance, you know, when, uh, there was a lot of, I think when Dr. Carpenter was first hired, you know, there was a lot of feeling left over from the end of Dr. McGahee's term that perhaps Dr. McGahee had too much independence and the board was, and, and I, I'm not accusing anyone of this, but you know, it was something of a rubber stamp for whatever Dr. McGahee wanted. And, and there was a response to that doctor and Dr. Carpenter came in and, and had to attempt to administer in that environment skipping all the other complications that that came along in that reign. Yeah. And I think then you're seeing, you know, not necessarily in this involvement versus non-involvement thing, but you, you see in Dr. Buck a response to the perceived ailments of what happened when Dr. Carpenter was, was superintendent. So we see that. And so I think these board elections can follow in the same way. And there is a range in there that we're, we're dealing with here. And those are the kinds of reactions to see. And so what, you know, we just, we keep coming back to this every year we have these interviews, you know, Nick prefaced our conversation, but we've been having this conversation for four years because I think the conversation keeps changing. And I want to, you know, just understand that while we're talking about these roles, that there's, there's a little bit of, there is leeway in there and that reasonable minds can disagree on you know, how much supervision is the appropriate amount of supervision for the superintendent or how much budget line item attention is the proper amount for a school board member. Yeah, I think, you know, I think the last, the previous two school board elections, we heard a lot of, and I, I, I may not get this, this uh, talking point Exactly. But we heard a lot of, we're too much from, from candidates say we're, our district has been too much top down. We need more bottom up. Right. Which is to me, another way of saying I'm pro teacher. Um, but I, I, I'm curious as we talk about this and we dig in just John, and I'm just going to ask you your opinion on this uh, from the perspective of a, of a former teacher, of a former principal, you know, what were some, I, I, I guess when you looked at a school board and, and since you worked in a different district, when you looked at the school board that you worked with, your district worked with, you know, were there examples of, of, of a good relationship where things, you know, the process itself worked like it's supposed to? Yes. Um, so I worked at Fort Osage, like you, like you said, and I was, and I was lucky that they just have, um, at the time when I was there, you know, I haven't worked there in a long time, but, um, at the time when I was there, they had a, actually, it hasn't been that long. Eh, longer than you think. <laughs> I mean, it's longer than I think. <laughs> he, he earned his gray beard. Let him, let him have yeah, it. <laughs> yeah, I am definitely, yeah, yeah. Um, 
But um, sorry, the uh, they had a tradition of of boards that that really collaborated with each other. So this is the other thing, you know, sometimes boards just don't get along with each other and they, they feel like they've got different agendas, you know, um, which is always puzzling to me because isn't the agenda to, you know, help the district and help kids and, and, and really like the better the school district is, the better your property values are. So I just, I, I, I like, I see the board as, as one of those, let's, let's try to, let's try to improve the community by improving the school, but okay. Um, so I've seen it work really well where board at my board that I worked with, they were, they were cheerleaders for the teachers and the administrators in the district. And if they heard concerns, they went to the superintendent, the superintendent went to the assistant superintendent, which was my boss. And then she would come to me and say, Hey, you know, let's let me know about this. Then I would tell her, she would tell the superintendent, the superintendent would talk to the board president and the board president would talk to the board member who brought it to him. And, and that's the way it's supposed to work. It's a system that's supposed to work that way. Now there's walls between, there's steps between that system so that let's say it's a heated, very heated you know, situation. The reason that there's steps in between is so people can be calmer and more reasonable along the way as you're finding out the information and then reporting back the information, some of the heat of the moment is not there anymore. And that's how a system works. Sometimes it it works to calm everybody down and make sure that reasonable decisions have been made um, or will be made. And um, But the boards collaborate with the, the superintendent and then they stay in touch though with the buildings. So the way that happens is, you know, um, the, the way it worked in my district was we reported, we took a turn, every building made, did a report every month. And, uh, and we did a big, you know, big presentation to the board. And then they recognized they came into our buildings. We invited them into our buildings to come look at classrooms. Like if we had a teacher who was doing something really innovative, we would, we would email the board members or call them and say, Hey, you know, come by and see this. This is really cool. And they would, they would come by and, and see it. So it, it goes both ways, you know, where uh, the, the building principals, administrators, are communicating with the board and the board gets to see the wonderful things that go on. And then, you know, and then, you know, the, the, the building principals are also presenting to the board, like the central office administrators do all the time. Um, it, it, that's the way it worked. And I've seen, it was very successful. It was, it was a, a beautiful collaboration from top to bottom. And we had teacher groups. Okay. So, so I, I, I'm telling you from a principal perspective, we had teachers, who uh, also met with the board. So we had teacher groups that would um, meet with the superintendent separately. We also had teacher groups that uh, met with the board president as well, um, especially when it came to contract negotiations, things that were concerned and, and all of that. So it, it was transparency from top to bottom. And I think that's, people appreciated that. And sometimes it was, they didn't wanna know everything, but they did, so. I think that's a good, uh, a good to show some examples, and I, and I, I really wanted to ask you that so that it could be examples from outside the districts so that we don't get caught up into things that we really, you know, can't can't dig too yeah. too much into. I want to shift gears a little bit, and I want to pick your brain some 
just on your perspective uh, with what you're doing with through UCM and the state education department. As we as we look to evaluating these candidates and even look to to the next board as it as it, however it's comprised, what are you seeing from around the state that are maybe one or two issues um, that sc- our school district needs to be preparing for that maybe maybe they're probably going to have to take up? And I know you I know you mentioned one to me that that it looks like teacher shortages are going to be a real thing for lots of school districts throughout our state. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'd say Lee summit is in a, in the advantage, in a, in a very advantageous uh, position because they're a wealthy district. You know, they have a lot of resources. Teachers want to work in Lee summit and it's not a perfect, nothing's perfect, you know, but, but I'm not saying this is like Nirvana or anything. Um, but as far as pay goes, as far as, you know, the community and everything else, it's wonderful. You know, I raised my kids here. I love it here. Um, but uh, at some point, it's going to affect Lee Summit. So right now I work with schools. You know, I also teach at the university. So I'm teaching uh, students who, you know, uh, teachers who want to become principals. So I'm teaching classes like, you know, supervision and uh, facilities and school law and things like that to, to prospective, uh, principals, you know, future principals, administrators. And, but I also work with a variety of schools. I work with, you know, tiny schools where like, literally I met with the entire district staff and we were sitting around a table in their library. Um, and, and that was everybody in the, every teacher in the district. And, and also with, with, uh, uh, buildings and districts that, that have dozens of schools. So it's, it's quite a variety. And I will tell you, I'm starting to hear, you used to be able to like throw a stick out into a field and hit an elementary teacher. And, and right now there, I'm finally hearing schools that say, we don't have, we, we have a fourth grade teaching position, or they don't usually specify like that, like an elementary teaching position. And there's, we, we had five people apply or we had nobody apply. I, I work with a district that had a secondary English teacher position, zero people apply, zero for an English teacher position, none. Wow. And so here's, here's the issue. You know, we've spent a long time in this country and I don't think I'm going to get any pushback from you guys, but I mean, I, cause I don't think it's debatable of teachers being the bad guys of public schools being, you know, the, the villain in a lot of stories that are being told. And, you know, there's a lot of room for improvement in, in all those areas. But when you vilify an entire strata of our society, who wants to join that club? You know, who wants to be, you know, in the Legion of Doom or, you know, whatever? I mean, nobody, always, they're not going to join something where, where they're not getting any respect or, um, and they're hearing, and, and granted, teachers don't get paid a lot, but I will tell you, like I worked at Fort Osage, the teachers in Fort Osage School District were the highest paid employees in the school district. I mean, it was a working class area. And while I wouldn't say, you know, we had skyrocket, you know, salaries or anything like that, because we didn't, um, we had, I felt like we were well compensated, especially compared to the rest of the community. And teachers make a middle class salary and um, no, it doesn't equal like the level of education they have and maybe the level of experience. But um, 
it it definitely has you know between the people saying teachers don't make enough money which i guess you could there's a good argument to say they don't and the people saying teachers are villains students are not going to college and and wanting to major in education i mean why why would why would you do it if, well if let me let me ask let me ask this question is and again i'm just asking your opinion on this is in your opinion is 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 pay the reason we're seeing a shortage is that the thing no <laughs> I, that's my short answer um my longer answer is it's part of it because you know you look at you look at the amount of student debt you're going to have uh when you go to ucm and I, i'm not i'm not an expert at that okay so i'm not going to present myself here as someone who knows all about you know how much student debt people have but if you're a student who had to take loans out from the time um you know from your freshman year until you graduate until your senior year assuming you can graduate in four years which you know some students can't some students for various reasons don't graduate in four years so you have all this debt all right and you're you're getting a job that starts at forty five thousand dollars a year and you know you want to buy a house you absolutely have to have a car you know and and you're married maybe you know or maybe you're not you know you 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 are not rich and when you're paying off student loans plus you know you've got whatever other expenses that you that you have in your in your own life um and commitments that that you have that's not a lot of dough man to to live on you know so but is it better than some some jobs yes but those jobs don't come with you know and we're going to ask you to go back to school in a few years too huh i'm sorry and we're going to also ask you to go back to school in a few years correct and and if you don't have your master's degree forget about it you'll never make uh decent money and and even in my position as an administrator and look at all the building principals who have their doctorates you know i i had a i had a friend tell me one time um it's like the union card i mean if you don't get your doctorate you know, uh, you, you're not going anywhere. And, and it's, you look at how many, how many building principals, uh, certainly central office, you know, administrators have their doctorate. It's the majority. And there's a reason for that because that, you know, you look at a bunch of applications and you look at people who have their doctorate versus people who don't have their doctorate. And it's, it's pretty hard to justify, you know, even looking at it when you look at the balance um, of who has it and who doesn't. Well, so how can when you when you when you look at something like this, how can a a school board help the district prepare for for have, having to have that conversation of, hey, we've got openings and it might be hard to fill them. Well, so okay, part of it is you know the pay structure. You know, I mean, certainly, I mean that you, I I said that before where that's not the major thing, and and I truly feel that way. But you've got it in you've got if a district has to incentivize the staff, and it's not. I know, you know, you had mentioned, you know, bottom up versus top down, you know, um, you know, kind of uh, uh, approach. It's Lee Summit is not top heavy. You know, if you look at the percentage that they spend on administration versus the districts in the metro area, it's it's one of the lowest. I mean, percentage wise. And I will tell you, the more teachers you have, the more administration you have to have. It's not something where you can just expand the amount of teachers you have 
and not expand the amount of administration that's needed because those teachers all have to be have to be supported. You know, they have to have, you know, administrative support to help them with management, professional development, um, various other things, you know, just administrative stuff, you know, secretarial stuff, things like that, offices, all those things have to be supported. So you can't just say, you know, we're going to pay people more and put what, put more kids in the classroom, or we're going to pay people more and have more teachers. It just doesn't, you've got to think, okay, so that's reactive. All right. So, so I'm saying, you know, this is a reaction to say, we'll just pay more and it will, it will solve our problem. And that's, that is part of it. But you also have to start recruiting teachers, actively recruiting and not just going like I used to go to uh, job fairs, you know, like teacher uh, job fairs at universities around the area. And I loved it. I love talking to students who are majoring in education, talking to them about my district, talking to them about my building. And it was so, it was just fun. And I got to I, I hired some of the best teachers and they're still fantastic teachers. Um that I initially hired that I met when they were students, you know, at, at different universities. Um, it's a lot of fun, but that's not enough. You know, we have to start growing our own. We have to start looking at students in our district and we can tell the ones who are going to be leaders. And, and I will tell you, there, there are teachers who say, I, I've worked with teachers who would tell their own children, do not go into education. Uh, you know, it's, it's not a good job to have. Um, and, and that's the wrong approach. You know, we need to be uh, building our our own, growing our own. I mean, that's that's the proactive part of it. Um, encouraging organizations. You know, there's of course there's the high school. You know, future teachers of America. You know, encouraging those groups, but even younger. You know, talk talking to kids about teaching, talking about education as a career, and especially students of color. You know, you want to you want to talk about. I mean, you know, st students you know, our, dis the disparity, you know, that we have um, uh, between, you know, teachers of color and, and uh, white teachers in the district. And, you know, that there, there's a way to look at that, you know, say, look, we've got students who live here in Lee Summit who could be teachers and, and we're not promoting that, you know, we're not encouraging that. Um, also, I'm going to, I'm going to throw okay. in a little, a little opportunity right. to promote I like cross promotion here. <laughs> if you go back to a previous episode of the Lee Summit Town Hall podcast and a conversation with Dr. Buck, the superintendent, he talks about a program that they're looking, uh, getting ready to launch next year, which is to encourage and grow more, more homegrown teachers. Well, and that, that they, they will have in the district. Are, are we seeing more districts do that kind of thing? No. Is, that, is this, is this a relatively new thing? Well, you know, I, I belong to Future Teachers of America when I was in high school. And so it's not new in, in that regard, you know, that, that there are organizations that encourage young people to consider, you know, um, teaching as a career. I think the younger you get, you know, the younger you look at it and encourage kids, the better off you are. It's, so it's not, it's not new. But I will tell you that Lee Summit is going to be in a better position because, because of, of, you know, we're blessed with all this wealth in the district. Um, you know, they're going to be in a better position to have teachers uh, to grow their own, to have programs like that. You look at a district, you go down the road, um, you know, maybe Pleasant Hill would be the next one down that could do that. Uh, but you go down to, you know, Calhoun, you go into, you know, areas areas of Missouri that are not, not terribly far away from here, you know, and you think, what are they going to do? 
you know, what are these districts going to do? And, and it does affect us. You know, you think, okay, Lee Summit, you know, we're not a walled city. You know, the, if the infrastructure for education breaks down in our rural areas, it's going to break down with us. It's, it's all going to, it's all going to flow this way. Well, you take the, you know, like COVID response, you know, I work in Warrensburg, my office is in Warrensburg at the university and people who, who were sick with COVID would come to Lee Summit because there was, the hospitals were full in Warrensburg or they couldn't handle uh, the people that were there, the, what they had. So they would come to Lee Summit. It's going to be this, it's going to be a similar thing. I'm telling you, you know, down the road, we need to, I, I mean, we need to support the entire infrastructure as, as a district as well. Let me ask uh, real quick as, as we wrap up, are there, are, are there maybe just a few other issues you're seeing around that, that maybe our district ought to be, be prepped and thinking about as this new board will take, take its seats in after the April election? Yes. Um, I, I do think that um, equity will be one, one of the main issues and, um, helping teachers and, and the, the community understand, you know, the difference between equality and, and equity. I think we, we still have, uh, we still have a ways to go to be able to take the politics out of, um, out of schools. And, and honestly, it, it is, the schools should be, there's no reason for it to be political. And I get that, you know, when you're teaching history, when you're teaching science, that sometimes people get worked up over, over what you're teaching. And that's a good conversation to have. I think it's a fair conversation to have, but when it comes to running a district, it, it just, it just seems like it should be as apolitical as possible. So I, I do see. Which is hard to do with the elective process involved. Right. Right. And, and I, but Take I, the politics I, you know, out of my election. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I guess uh, is that the right way to say it? I mean, I'm I'm saying you know take take. No, I think you are. I just I was just look. Being... We're we're here for the jokes, John. Okay, it's, it's our <laughs> well, I'm here for the budget blinds. I heard there was free budget blinds involved in this. We will write you a coupon and send you on downtown. <laughs> John, I appreciate you coming on, and I, I just, I just think it's important to start getting some some different perspectives. You know, what do other people look at as these elections come come up, and, and you know, kind of just the lens that you look through. I know is going to be different than mine and different than others. So I, I, I appreciate you coming on and offering that kind of just a peek of how how you look at things because this is a big district. There are very complicated, big budgets that you deal that you deal with in this and and even just that last topic that you mentioned the 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 equity mission that this district has it's not simple no. it's a complicated thing and a lot of different things get involved so i appreciate you taking some time tonight and giving us giving us your perspective uh, on things as we as we look to this next election all right well i love being here guys thanks a lot for having me <laughs> thank you john <laughs> John, I appreciate it. Jason, that's going to wrap us up for this week. We'll talk to everybody next time.